Hi, and welcome back to Picard Cast. I'm your host this evening, Rebecca. And as always, I am joined on the bridge of the Enterprise with my co-host, Brooke. Welcome back, Brooke. Hi. <laughs> well, it's been a crazy week, Brooke, because uh, last week we talked about the Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and how when it first aired in uh, 1990, we in back then had to wait three whole months for the um, second part, but not for you guys who are listening today in 2019. You only had to wait a week yeah, to mean, find out. That was the Sorry. longest week of my life. I'm telling you, very long <laughs> week. But what we have done is we have gotten back our special guest from last week. She's back again to finish talking about Best of Both Worlds. It's my sister, Janine. Welcome back, Janine. Oh my God, she's back again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If you ever it's come true. back, you have to do that. Oh, okay. Every time. So, Janine, did you also have a very long seven day week between last recording and this recording? So long. So many things happen, <laughs> so many adventures. We all grew as people. Yeah. So, I mean, you got stuck on the MTA, like. How many times? I mean, probably seven, one yeah. for each day. Hey, that's doing pretty good, I think. For, I know, right? At least not weeks. twice a day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so tonight, as we said, we will be continuing our journey uh, as we conclude the story of the best of both worlds. And uh, as Brooke mentioned last week, you had said that you felt like this was one of the best cliffhangers in TV. And I, I'm inclined to agree with you, at least for me. Um, I think this is one of the best, if not the best, cliffhanger in TV history. And I say that without sarcasm. I really do feel that way. I mean, um, I, I, definitely, I think it's the best one that I've seen in Star Trek. Oh, for sure. yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, mean yeah. I am very hard-pressed to think of one that was more exciting than this of anything else. So, I, you know, I'm just going to err on the side of caution and just say it's one of the best because I can't, I, I may be forgetting something that I loved. I don't know. Golden Girls. Right. They don't know. They didn't have any, like, <laughs> season-ending cliffhangers and they weren't, like, <laughs> right. you know. <laughs> well, I, w I would say, like, at least for me, the stakes um, were pretty high here. Not only are we talking about, you know, the life of Captain Picard, who we've come to love and 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 admire and respect um but we're also talking about the fate of the human race right they're ready to assimilate earth and if they assimilate earth it's not going to be very hard to then build a whole bunch more borg ships and um you know assimilate the rest of the quadrant etc janine uh what are your thoughts on this cliffhanger that we had in part one like where where would you rank it as far as like cliffhangers you've seen in like TV and doesn't have to be the formal, but what, what, what are your thoughts on, on this cliffhanger? I mean, it, it's probably number one, honestly, just because it's the most memorable. <laughs> I, I haven't watched Star Trek in a number of years, but as soon as you guys release your schedule of, of, of episodes and this was one of them, it's like the whole thing just came back into my head. It's like even just the feelings of watching it, like even, even rewatching the episodes, like you have that, moment of seeing Picard turned into a Borg you have that shock you have there's so much uncertainty you know it's like you know you've you've followed this captain for three seasons now and suddenly he's 
he's been taken over by one of the scariest villains in sci-fi history. And I remember watching it as a kid and just being completely blown away. And so this is definitely probably the number one TV cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah feel the same way. Yeah. So without further ado, since we got to know you last week, Janine, and your history with Star Trek, um, we are going to dive right into part two of Best of Both Worlds. So this uh, originally aired um, September 24th, 1990, three months and I believe one week, you said last week, Brooke, after part one. Yeah, um, yeah it was like June 13th or something. Like it was... It was more than exactly three three months. Yeah. Like, that's just painful thinking about it. And I know I keep talking about it, but I'm somebody who's, you know, lived through the the long periods of time between Doctor Who episodes. I mean, into a lesser degree Sherlock episodes, but that three months still thing still seems like it would have been rough. <laughs> Oh, it was. <laughs> I, I just—it's so funny that I keep harkening on it because I just—that mm-hmm. it just seems unfathomable now, you know, in the world of like streaming and binge watching and stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, you youngins now have no clue what it was to wait three months for an episode. Oof. No, no, you just turn on your Netflix on your Google Box, and <laughs> you can watch the very next episode right away. Get off my lawn. Go back box. to your interwebs. <laughs> you and your interwebs get off my lawn um it's true it's true so this is of course uh season four episode one um directed by cliff bowl written by michael pillar joe Manoski, and ronald d moore all names of people who have been happily involved in star trek for a very long time and the synopsis is having absorbed captain picard and his knowledge The Borg head for Earth, leaving Riker and the Enterprise desperate for an unanticipated way to defeat them. So, uh, we open up right where um, part one left off. We're on the bridge of the Enterprise. The crew is preparing to fire uh, the modified deflector shield weapon that they have invented. Um, Of course, Riker gives that order. He says, fire. And we're all expecting the Borg ship to explode and poor Captain Picard to die. Um, And instead, um, literally nothing happens. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Nothing happens. And uh, Riker looks completely defeated of like, well, dang, that was our last shot. What are we going to do now? Um, Locutus then tells Riker that um, since Picard is now part of the Borg, his knowledge... And experience is part of their collective. Uh, so Picard knew about the plan for the deflector weapon. So therefore the Borg know about it. They were prepared for it. And he tells him resistance is hopeless, number one. Which okay. is slightly, I mean, that's just like kind of stabs you in the heart, right? Because right. usually it's resistance is futile. But he says resistance is hopeless, number one. Number one. Number. Plus, he says it like a curse, like like resistance is hopeless, bitch. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> like, I like that he still sort of uh, sounds like Patrick Stewart, only like uh, talking into a box fan or something. <laughs> <laughs> he totally does sound like that. It's true. Um, 
And then we get a first officer's log, Stardate 44001.4, which is Sunday, June 5, 2366, at about 7.09 p.m. Riker has Admiral Hansen on on Space Skype, and he tells him, uh, the Admiral says that they are assembling the fleet at Wolf 359. The Klingons are sending some ships, and he says that They've even thought about calling the Romulans to come help the fight. What? Um, I would. <laughs> Romulans? Like, it's Roroshaggy. Roroshaggy. <laughs> my voice is doing that thing again. Sorry, everybody. I've been sick. So, um, <laughs> and um, so then it, it, this is kind of interesting because they're trying to make Admiral Hansen understand that. Picard is part of the Borg now. And Admiral Hansen, like, like he refuses to understand that. He's like, he tells them this story about how he's we watched Picard when he was a freshman. He won the Academy Marathon. He was, like, the only freshman to do it. And he beat he's all like, these seniors. He's like, listen, I've kept a close eye on him for a long time. You know? Yeah, he's like... Let me tell you about Jean-Luc Picard, buddy. And it, before, it, it, before I had my eye on Commander Shelby, it was Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> okay, sir, like, gross. Hanson is like all over everybody. This is it what is. we didn't know. And then we find like, out right now. He's like the the Joe Biden of Star Trek. <laughs> understand about that good touch, bad touch. Sorry, everybody. I try to keep the politics out. I apologize. <laughs> Oh jeez. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. Um uh so it's like he doesn't get it and there he's like he's a casualty of war. So they're all like, "Oh, so I guess we're not going to rescue him now." Okay. Um and they does field promote Riker to um captain of the Enterprise. So um as we've seen in re- in real life in battle, soldiers can get field promotions if People die or there's a need. So he absolutely gets that field promotion. Now he's captain of the Enterprise. Um, We jump on the board ship here and we see Picard like on this like operating table almost. And they're finishing up his assimilation. Like he he wasn't quite done when they let him talk. But now (laughs) they're a rough job so he can intimidate the Enterprise. (laughs) Now they got to put the finishing touches. Yeah. They're like, we're not ready yet. And then it's like. (laughs) No, no, no. The show is on. <laughs> I know. The show must go on. Just put them on the screen. Um, what is interesting here is what is different than what we've seen, what we will see in the future when the Borg assimilate people, um, they actually do chop off limbs and they do actually um, even cut out eyes to insert like, um, p- like optical pieces or whatever. In this case, they don't. Very conveniently, they do not chop off his arm to put on his Borg um, blender attachment that they do, <laughs> and and they put on a, a thing or like around his eye. So that was really nice of them not to and cut him off. He's got a little whirly gig on his head. He does have a whirly gig. I feel like it's always searching for a Wi-Fi signal. I feel like it's like, um, hold on, what's the Wi-Fi here? And it's like searching and it's, yeah. Oh, look, Google Starbucks. I'll just jump on that. Um, there you go. Um, it's Facebooks. Huh? Sorry? 
Facebook. I was going to say Space Starbucks, but then I was like, no, it should just be Space Books. Anyway, sorry. Space Books. <laughs> um, so it can still be S Books. S Books. When, when you shorthand it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that in this scene, we get probably, I think, and it, it definitely is a little bit, uh, it's a little over the top, but we do get a scene of Picard and there's a single tear that rolls down it's his CGI cheek. Tier. It is, I <laughs> know it's, I know tier. it's a CGI tear. <laughs> I know that, but I'm saying that, is it a little hammy? It's a little <laughs> hammy, but I think it That's... was. Why it's CGI? Because they were like, "What if this is great? This this looks great, you guys. But what if there was one little tear?" Well, because I think that with that one little thing, they tell you, the audience, that Picard is aware of what's happening. He's not still in there. He is still in there, which again is very different than future um, assimilations that we will see. Mm That basically once they start assimilating you, that's it. You're gone. Mm-hmm. But here, it's like he's totally aware of what they're doing to him. And he can't stop it. And so, I feel so, like this ties uh, in. Go ahead, bro. Sorry. So there's an episode of Doctor Who where someone is being like encased in a Cyberman outfit. And usually, oh, that episode. It, it, usually they just like you know, you just hear <laughs> you know saws and stuff, and then they come out, and you just assume it's just their brain and maybe some of their other parts or whatever, like Borg. But like they're like closing the the helmet in on his face, and like you know, using a laser to sew it up, and and he's going no, no, and then he hears this child crying, and through the power of love, he doesn't become a Cyberman. <laughs> so that was a great moment. Yeah. So you know, it's a. But, it's honestly, this scene feels a little bit like um, in Flash Gordon when they were trying oh. to wipe. Dr. Zarkov's brain and they couldn't wipe everything because he was reciting like the Beatles and just anything else. Um, I kind of almost get the sense that the Admiral was like, don't count Picard out because I know how strong he is. And it's like, I, I get that the Borg have him, but I've also seen him overcome some amazing odds. And so like, like to me, like that's kind of what he I stabbed in the-, the heart for God's sakes. Exactly. I mean, he was. He was. But that—that's a good point. Like, that's a good tie-in. That Admiral Hanson's telling this story about this freshman cadet who won the marathon, and you're like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? And it's like he's stronger than you think he is. And in that moment, yeah, it's a—it's a cheesy moment with the CGI tear. But at the same time, they are telling us the audience, Picard is still in there, and and. It, it ties in, and we'll talk about it next week when we review the episode Family, but it ties in to his recovery when he goes back home and how that episode Family really is is a trilogy with these two episodes, even though they, they weren't even going to do that, but they made it like a trilogy to complete Picard's story arc about his Borg assimilation and... I mean, this is a this is a real violation of Picard. He was he was completely violated by the Borg. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I, I, it, it, it worked for me. The tear worked for me. I thought it was, it a was like, schmaltzy. it is schmaltzy, but it does tell you the audience, don't count Picard out. He's still in there, right? So then, uh, Riker and Worf are in the Enterprise. They're headed to main engineering, and they're kind of talking about different ways that they could defeat the Borg. You know, Wesley's got an idea about a chip that could, you know, randomly change their settings. Um, <laughs> restored a factory setting pretty much <laughs> um and then Worf is like are they gonna turn know, them off and turn them back on again that's okay. yeah just <laughs> have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again you know and then like Worf is like the Borg don't have any honor that's gonna be our biggest advantage here <laughs> and <laughs> I love I, I just love Worf he's just always like honor they don't have honor we have honor you know for the honor but, of grey school. Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> wrong <laughs> franchise, but yeah, same idea. Um, so when they get to main engineering, Shelby and Jordy are working on restoring the shields and you know, um they they raise the shields, then they collapse and blah blah blah. Um they do um which I thought was funny, they do name drop Barkley in this scene. Oh yeah. That uh Lieutenant Barkley is working on something and um, for those that don't know, um, Lieutenant Barkley is a recurring character played by Dwight Schultz, a great character actor who was in the A-Team, probably where most people know him from. Um, he played Howling Mad Murdoch. Yeah, I didn't and, realize that he was that he was in that until I was looking him up at some point in time. I looked, oh, yeah. Oh, that's why he looks familiar. Like, for some yep. I just didn't. Anyway. But he, he's also done um, a lot of voiceover work. If you ever watched the cartoon Chowder, he did voices on that um, cartoon as well. He did? Yeah, he did. Oh. He was, um, he was uh, Mung, the, the chef <gasps> that Chowder worked for. Really? There you go. There's your, there's your factoid of the day. Okay, so um, I have to say, if there's any Downton fans out there, Barkley and... Um, Mosley like are like two of a kind I feel like they are uh, I agree yeah Barkley I, I just meant like to the, say that the last time we were hanging Mosley. out so but so yeah. for the for the probably few people out there that are fans or both it's look at it it, it works anyway. it is I agree he's definitely Mosley um so uh, Shelby and Riker have a conversation where she basically makes a case for her to be first officer um and, you know, Riker, again, kind of starts to criticize her for ambition. Um, but then we kind of see a little character growth here because he says, you know, you you remind me of me. Captain Picard reminded me of that. I was just like you when I first came aboard. I had a lot to learn. You've still got a lot to learn. But I felt like this was an improvement on previous conversations that they've had. Um, Janine, yeah. what, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like this is some like grudging respect for her on Riker's part. Is that he does see her potential? Picard reminded him of that. Is that you know she's a lot like you when you first came on board as my first officer, and so you know, and and Riker, I feel was humbled like the last episode. He felt very unsure of his own place in sort of Starfleet itself. And, you know, now he's got the captain's chair that he didn't really want yet. And, you know, he's got to make the captain's choices. And now he's thinking like a captain and not a, not a first officer. Yeah. Hmm. I, <clears throat> I like 
totally agree with that. And it's just, he, you know, he has sort of, what am I trying to say? So, you know, like he's grown, but it's like he, he, by saying, by doing this, like by, you know, kind of like, okay, yes, you know, and, and, and kind of reconsidering it, he shows that like, he recognizes that he was not almost like that he recognizes to himself that he that's why he was like being so mean to her is because yeah he saw himself in her and you know he didn't know how he felt about that and then you know it's kind of like he's he's kind of reconciling it with himself if that yeah makes I, sense. I totally agree <laughs> no i feel like I yeah, a lot this... of words in that sentence that didn't really need to be there <laughs> But I feel like this is the moment where he begins to understand. You're right. He begins to understand his relationship with her and why him and her butt heads so much, why they clash, why, why he finds her, some of her conduct distasteful because it reminds him of himself. And, but this is the moment that he's becomes mature enough to understand that. And I do like to see, I like to see character growth. And again, in the last episode, he was a first officer. Now he's a captain and there's a lot more on his shoulders than there was before. Um, so then uh, Data calls down to May Engineering to say that the fleet has engaged the Borg at Wolf 359. So Riker gets up to the bridge and uh, he talks to Admiral Hansen on, on Space Skype. And uh, he's not doing so good. Um, <laughs> so I, one of the cute little things in this scene is behind Admiral Hansen when he's on screen... You can see an old school red alert um, thing flashing um, stuff that you, you would see like in Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. So it made me think that the Admiral ship is probably an older ship. They may have even pulled it out of retirement. He may have had it like um, pulled out of like the decommissioned lot um, <laughs> because yeah, when you're an Admiral, you can choose your own ship. That's true. And so, um, so I, I, I did enjoy that, that little thing in the background. But basically, he tells Riker that the fleet has sustained heavy damage. They're going to regroup, um, but they get cut off. And um, so basically, the fight's not going well for the Federation. So <clears throat> we get now Captain's Log, and this is Riker now speaking, Stardate 44002.3, which is Monday, June 6, 2366, at 3.45 in the morning. And the Enterprise is headed to Wolf 359. So in the observation lounge, Riker has basically his senior staff there. And he tells everybody, you know, Worf and Data, who are really in line for promotion. He tells them, listen, I, I don't want to start changing where everybody is. So everybody's going to stay where they are. I need you at your post. And so he says that he grudgingly promotes um, Shelby to first officer. And um, it's interesting because Data and Worf kind of look at each other like, oh, really? <laughs> what a surprise. What a twist. <laughs> this felt a little bit like <clears throat> Mr. Darcy declaring his love for, for Elizabeth Bennet. Oh, he's like, at first, the first time he does tell her that he loves her, he's like, I begrudgingly, against my better judgment, love you. And it's like, oh, thank you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, like, even though you're dirt poor and a terrible person and your family are all idiots, I guess I love you. Wow, thanks a lot, bro. <laughs> I feel so loved. <laughs> After he promotes Shelby, 
they kind of talk about some options for what they could do to fight the Borg. Um, they do drop a reference here to something that happened in a previous episode. Um, they do talk about Nanite. Um, and so for those that don't know, that is from season three, episode one, a show uh, episode called Evolution, guest starring Ken Jenkins, who you probably remember from uh, Scrubs. Mm-hmm. He, he played, um, shoot, uh, the cardiologist, right? Yeah, he was some doctor. Um, yeah. He actually uh, helped start our actor's theater here in the town I live in. Really? Yeah. I had no clue. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's that's super me cool. with my ridiculous history. <laughs> that's 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 super interesting though. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So if you so, ever make it to Louisville, I go to the Actors Theater of Louisville. He's acted there. <laughs> nice. Who? What was this character's name? Bob Kelso. There you go, Doctor Kelso. That's me. <laughs> um, unfortunately, none of the I options. I thought you were asking what his name was on here. <laughs> oh, theory. What is his name? <laughs> so, unfortunately, none of their options will be ready in time because they have to. They have to confront the board now. Like they don't have. A year, two years to figure stuff out. So then Riker goes into the ready room, and you can tell that he does not want to sit in that chair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not ready for it because he's um, he's having like an identity crisis about um, losing Picard and all that. The ghost of Picard is like in that chair, like pretty he just much. Can't. He's like, oh, I can't. Oh, I don't. You know, no. Do you think it smells like Earl Grey tea? Probably does. <laughs> The whole room probably smells like Earl yeah, Grey tea. Yeah. It's what he always drank. Yeah. Um, but he, he, I like that Riker asks the chair, what would you do? <laughs> um, and then Guinan comes the ghost in. of Picard. He's asking, not the chair. There you go. Yeah, you're right. He's asking the ghost of Picard, what would you do? <laughs> um, so then Guinan comes in and... She's kind of talking to him about what's going on in 10 Forward. She's saying people are basically, like, convinced that they're going to die tomorrow <laughs> and that no one can save them. And even though that they, they trust and like Riker, they don't think that he can – that anyone can really help them. So she says something really interesting. She says, when a man is convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he'll find a way to make it happen. And – uh, she's telling Riker, you have to turn this around. And then she tells him that he has to let go of Picard, even though it's something he does not want to do. And she says, you know, it, it, it would have been easier if Picard just died, but he didn't just die. The Borg took him away from us piece by piece. Then she kind of goes a little bit, a tiny bit into her relationship with Picard. They've always kept it very secretive. But she asks Riker if Picard ever like told her told him why they were close, and he's like, no. And she says that their relationship goes beyond friendship. It goes beyond family. And she says, and I will let him go. And you have to do the same. And I felt like this was probably one of the most important scenes in this episode because it really speaks to Riker again having to have a character moment mm-hmm. of of changing how he thought mm-hmm. and how he felt about Picard and you know Riker is just stuck on this because he's like 
but you know, Picard wrote the book on this ship, and she's like, well, then it's time to throw the book away mm-hmm. and start again because everything that he knows, the board know, and it's the only way that you can beat him. And uh, she tells him, and that chair is now yours, Captain. But does it have lumbar support? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking she should have also said, it goes beyond time, of, you know, about how they met. That's true. That that's that's for a future episode. Though. Um, I do like that. Or is it in she... the past? Because remember, we're recording. Like, oh, all that's over the true. <laughs> oh. Even though the episode airs, <laughs> it's it's timey wimey. Even yes. though the episode airs in the future, the events have already happened. Right, right. Because that's how time travel works. Uh-huh. Um, I will say that um, I I do like after she leaves, he finally does sit in the chair. For like a minute and then they call him to the bridge and when he gets up he does the Picard tug. <laughs> he does the tug on the shirt. That. Which yeah. I thought was very cute. So um Enterprise arrives at Wolf 359 and basically there are a ton of starships just dead in the water, as they say. It's they're just floating in space. And what's it interesting like is there's that been a shark attack. Yes, because there's yeah. like chunks out of them and like pieces flying, like well, floating everywhere. It's yeah. like, oh. and there's like there's no life signs. Like these these this is just a decimation. Like the fleet has been destroyed, right? Um, and then uh, so Shelby starts to kind of name off the ships that she knows, uh, the the Tolstoy, mm-hmm. the Kyushu, and the Melbourne, which. If Riker had taken that commission, he would have been on that ship, mm-hmm. and he probably would have died. So there you go. Yeah. That is heavy. And uh, for those of you playing at home, the Kyushu, <laughs> Kyushu is the name of the third largest island of Japan's five main islands. Oh, nice. That is Kyushu, <laughs> and that's what the ship is named after. Take geography for one thousand, Alex. It's a daily double. <laughs> <laughs> So while they're in this, uh, while they're at Wolf 359, they do pick up basically the Borg's trail. And uh, they're like, all right, we're going to follow the trail. And Riker tells Shelby to go ahead with the plan to separate the saucer section. And she tells him, you know, I have to remind you, Picard knows about that plan, which means the Borg know about it. Yeah, Shelby, don't remind us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but then she got the... mansplained too, so then she was Shelby's plane. <laughs> yeah, she Shelby's plane then. Um, but what Riker says is, he says, "I'm counting on that that they that they know about the plan." So he mysteriously tells Data and Worf that he has a special mission for them. Uh, we don't know what that is yet, but. Uh, we flash to the Borg ship where the Enterprise has caught up to them. And from the battle bridge, um, Riker is talking to Locutus. Uh, Locutus uh, demands that Riker um, unconditionally surrender and uh, the Enterprise escort them to Earth. And Riker says, well, let's meet to discuss terms. And, And Locutus is like, Nice try, dude, but I totes know you're just stalling for time. <laughs> and <laughs> it's all of the stuff. I love how, like, like, uh, 
like a surfer dude you talk for people like i would love I the work to be like totes <laughs> i get very surfer dude when i do recaps yeah. because <laughs> i just imagine that the borgs sound a lot less threatening if they're like totes oh, bro man. <laughs> <laughs> So, I see what um, you did there. <laughs> you caught some righteous space waves. <laughs> righteous space waves. And they were um, eddies. <laughs> <laughs> they used it so, in Doctor um, Who too. I don't know if it's a real thing. Well, I think I think eddies refer to like currents mm-hmm. in the water, but I think um, I would guess like with the way that warp drives work, they leave behind mm-hmm. currents. Um, I believe that's the way warp drives work, that they do leave behind currents that are similar to like waves in water, like behind a boat, because the way that warp drives work is they actually warp the space around them, which is how it makes them go faster. Okay. Okay. I need to insert a dad joke here. Um, What do waves talk about? Current events. Oh, (laughs) your dad jokes. Jesus. Don't laugh at people it just encourages them. Um, I need no encouragement I, mean, I make myself laugh that's true I, don't, I didn't even think you needed to like tell us it was a dad joke you should have just went for it we knew it was a dad joke um, so in the transporter room O'Brien says that they the Borks will have up their EM field they can't transport through it so uh, Riker tells Worf and Data to proceed with their secret mission which we still don't know what it is um, so from the battle bridge, Riker continues to try to delay the Borg, um, and uh, of course Locutus is like, I'm not falling for it, dude, I totally know what you're doing, um, but they do separate the saucer section as planned, and um, separate they the saucer. Both... Sorry. What? <laughs> I said, separate the saucer, just because oh, I wanted yeah. to say it all like Shakespearean sounding. Thou shalt separate thy saucer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it is Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm sure he would say it's sort of Shakespearean. Um, I would have loved to hear him say, you know, I'm Locutus of Borg. Would you like to buy a Buick or whatever? That would have been amazing. I would like to buy a Pontiac. That would be awesome. Whatever, (laughs) So both halves of the ship now are firing on the Borg cube. Um, there's all these evasive maneuvers, lots of, you know, space pew, 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 pew happening, which is <laughs> always fun. Um, the saucer section fires an antimatter spread, which just looks like fireworks, really. Um, and it's all like just a distraction here. So here's now where we see the secret mission that Worf and Data were given. They are on a shuttlecraft, and basically they use the distraction of the fireworks to sneak in they uh they penetrate the em field uh they sneak in under the cover here and once they're inside the barrier they use the shuttle's transporter to get onto the board ship pretty smart plan mm-hmm. i put in my notes here that wharf and data are basically in an uber to pick up lacutus <laughs> and his drunk ass <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, the space Uber. Uh, <laughs> so once on the Borg ship, um, Data and Worf do rescue Picard. They have to fight their way through a couple of Borg, um, but they do rescue him. They get back on the shuttle, and the Enterprise 
beams them away to safety before the Borg can destroy the shuttle. Yo, I think Worf shot one of the Borg, like, directly <laughs> in the crotch, and that was just mean. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. He's probably had all those parts removed anyway. They probably get their bits and bubbles removed. Right. Bits and bubbles. <laughs> I have to keep this PG. Oh, that's true. It is PG. Um, So uh, once they've executed their plan and they've rescued Picard, which was, it was a very, it was a really cool plan, but it was very risky. At any point, the Borg cube could have destroyed the shuttlecraft. They could have destroyed the saucer section or even, you know, the warps uh, or even the drive section of the ship. Um, and then, so the the shuttle, excuse me, the saucer section is disabled, which everybody says it like in a different way. Oh, they're disabled. Oh, the saucer section is disabled. Oh, they can't move. Mm-hmm. And Wesley, Captain Obvious, <laughs> oh my God, they're a sitting duck. Thanks, Wesley. What would we do without you? Also, one, what teenager would say that? And two... Right. What teenager in the 24th century would say this? Exactly, yeah. So, I also find it very convenient that the Borg installed an off switch in Picard. That was very... <laughs> <laughs> well, was it an off switch? I thought they just, like, gave him a spray or something and knocked him out. Oh, I thought yeah. they pulled... It's like they switched something or they pulled, like, maybe something out. I didn't realize that he had a thingy. Well, maybe he did have an on-off switch. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's, like, you know... Cool. When it's time to turn it off. Well, I have to... Well, it has to update. My Locutus has to update now. So like let me just run the update. Mode, maybe. 12.2.1. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, they... They're on the Vista one. Get rid of it. No, the Vista. Oh, my gosh. So um, they're all kind of anticipating that the Borg ship will, like, destroy the saucer section or go after it. But instead, the Borg are just, like, deuces and they just leave. <laughs> Um, later days, exactly. And so they they rendezvous with the saucer section, and um, in sick bay, uh, we've got Picard. He's still asleep. Riker tells Crusher, "You you got to wake him up because if if the Borg know everything he knows, then I hope that he knows everything the Borg knows." Because we need that information, that knowledge to try to figure out a way to defeat them. So uh, Crusher does revive him. And uh, Picard is like all super Borgy. And he's like, (laughs) he's just like, I will continue to speak for the Borg. And I do like that even as Locutus, Picard totally chastises Riker. (laughs) Like, incorrect strategy number one. Like, Like, he's still Locutus. He's still a Borg. Picard would never do that. (laughs) Yeah. Picard would never approve. Like, he's just... It's it's just hilarious. Oh, hold on. This is a very important question. Do you remember... Do you remember Gowron, the leader of... Oh, my God! (laughs) We talk about that a lot in this. This recaps for some reason. Okay. (laughs) All right. A lot for some reason. What he does is like he likes to make a big entrance, you know, like they'll show him on screen and then he's like, Hello, and then like attach with his eyes and nobody else like everybody else is just there standing there. They're like, Who are you? What are you? But he's just like, Ah <laughs> gotcha. It's wild. I 
I love that guy's eye. He doesn't blink. I know. He never blinks. Um, so basically, uh, what's interesting here is like Picard starts, or, or Locuta starts moving around. And of course, like everybody's like, Ugh, don't assimilate me, dude. And and then Picard says, I intend no harm. No harm. It's it's so strange. Yeah. But I think I think I read this scene or that line as these are the bits of Picard that are still mm-hmm. trying to come out. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not gonna hurt my crew. I'm not gonna hurt you guys. I'm I'm just here. And and it's like he's fighting I, all this stuff that's in his head. He's still trying to come he's still trying to resurface as Picard, but They've got him like pretty suppressed. I'm quite convinced it's that little spinny thingy on his head that's doing it. So mm. that's probably it. <laughs> his Wi-Fi detector. Yeah. <laughs> so back on the bridge, uh, Data is uh, bleeping and blooping away, as Brooke has <laughs> said, and he discovers that there are some signals, some subspace signals coming from the Borg ship to Locutus, and. He tells Crusher and Riker that it's basically the link between the Borg and Locutus. Um, the Borg are trying to slide into his DMs. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. That is what they're doing. Hey, Locutus, you up. <laughs> W-I-D. Oh, God. Like, I felt like, as funny as that is. No, I felt like um, it was like they... They were kind of like, peace out, and left, but they left him there because it's like, maybe we can get something else from them, you know, but probably not. Well, I think, like, they weren't worried about leaving him there because they were like, we're totally still connected to him. It's yeah. not like, and I think in their mind, they never imagined that the Enterprise crew would figure out how to how to break that link. How are these humans and a few other people going to, you know, break our link? We're just going to get more information from them exactly exactly so um basically you know crusher is like we've got to somehow stop those borg implants from doing what they're doing because it's it's rewriting his dna and until we can like until we can cut that link between him and the borg i can't do anything but then once she's like if we could just deactivate those implants it's just a matter of surgery i could do it i could take everything out and restore him to normal so basically they're uh, data says well if we can't separate the man from the machine then maybe there's a way for me to access just the machine i i i really like this idea that they come up with uh, which we're going to see in a minute how they um execute it basically uh, back in sick bay we see locutus is like just monologuing. <laughs> He's monologuing, telling Worf how your species will be assimilated, and Worf is like, "I don't think so, bro." And and <laughs> look, this say, is like, I was gonna say, a Worf was like, "Nah, bro." Nah, nah, nah bro. Nah, bro. <laughs> uh, and so it's interesting how Locutus he provides an insight into why the Borg do what they do, where he says that they just want to improve the quality of life or raise the quality of life for all species. And Worf is like, I like my species just the way it is. <laughs> he says it really species. <laughs> and that's when like... Galron shows up and he's like, species. <laughs> it's not 
really, but in my fan fiction, that's what happens. It's like they're looking at Picard and they're like, yeah, cool story, bro, but uh, we're fine the way we are. Yeah. So they, so then they knock him out and Riker's like, take him to your lab, Data, see what you can do. And take then Shelby- Take him to your lab. Take him to your lab, mad scientist. And um, Shelby tells Riker that the Borg have entered Sector 001, which is, of course, our solar system. And we do get a because really... everything started here, of course. Exactly. Well, that's where the Federation started, and the headquarters are here. The president of the Federation First lives in Paris. Yeah, the Vulcans. Exactly. And we do get a cool shot of the Borg passing by Saturn, which is like... If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so back on the bridge, uh, the Borg have now passed Jupiter. They're going to hit Earth in about 27 minutes, but Enterprise is further away, and so they're still playing catch-up here. Catch-up. And so, oh, sorry. Catch-up, yeah. <laughs> Although I prefer barbecue sauce oh. over catch-up. Oh, okay, okay. That's cool. Um, so, back in, so then we get a cool shot of being in Data's lab that he has, and... Ooh, more shirtless Picard. More, yes, we get a lot of shirtless Picard uh, here, even though he's all gray. It's, um, it's, he is shirtless. It's Picard in a steampunk diaper. Is what I, in this. I mean, he is, though. Yeah. It's a steampunk diaper. It's true. I do. I love whenever like they remove a piece of Data's head and it exposes that all he's got inside of his head are, are Christmas lights, which... <laughs> I enjoy that very much. Data is festive ants. He is. Everyone, <laughs> she wrote, Data has his Christmas light scalp exposed. Yes. <laughs> like, um, I had to mute myself as I was reading the notes ahead <laughs> because I laughed out loud at that. I try, I try to keep it light if I can. Um, <laughs> so Data's plan to access the machine is to basically plug into Captain Picard. It's been a fantastic voyage, this. <laughs> yes, he is. He is. <laughs> if only that would have been pretty cool, actually. So he's basically going to plug in and try to establish a neural link between himself and Locutus to access the Borg signal. So he's got Chief O'Brien there who's monitoring Data's readings. You've got Dr. Crusher monitoring life signs. And you've got Troy there to, like, sense if Picard is basically emerging from uh, his days, I guess you could say. Um, I'm sorry, I just had this vision of her as, like, the only counselor aboard the Starship Enterprise. Like, her standing appointments are kind of waiting at her quarters, like, um... Well, and with all (laughs) of this, there's lots of... There's so (laughs) many people that are, like, freaking out about all the stuff that's happening anyway, you know? And, like... She's just hanging out in sick bay, waiting for Picard to wake up. I think a lot of people have a lot of issues to talk about right now. Yeah, and they could probably use a counselor, but she's busy in the lab, <laughs> busy trying to sense if Picard is it wakes up or whatever. Um, I the do. Sleeper awakens. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dune reference. Oh, Dune. Uh, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart had a part in that movie. He did a small part in that movie. What was his? character's name that's a good question i don't remember <laughs> but he played yes he had a part in that movie too i know that he was part of like the training for um luke atreides no that's, his name isn't luke no 
That's another science fiction franchise which we will not get into. Sorry, there's a lot of alcohol and other things in my system. Oh, other things. All of a sudden, sudden Patrick Stewart has become Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love it. No, that's hilarious. Um, I mean, if it hadn't been Sir Alec Guinness, I would have taken Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, totally, totally. Um, I do like how O'Brien, who's like in charge of monitoring data, is like, at what point should I shut this down? And Data's like, mm. <laughs> uh, IDK, I've never done this before, bro. <laughs> uh, he's like, we're so, winging it, man. We are. We're just going to wing it. We'll do it live. So. Do it live. <laughs> so the Borg is progressing towards Earth. It's shooting any little ships that come its way. They break through the Mars perimeter. Like, were those three ships, though, like the Mars perimeter? <laughs> like, also, too, like, like, what made them think that those three ships could stop the Borg? It's just kind of silly. Like, like they, they fly out, and it's like, pew, 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 they're gone. Like, and the Borg just keep going. Like, they're just like, no, you're just like a fly. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Back in the lab, Data establishes the first link, the second link. Nothing's happening, but then he establishes that third neural link, and now stuff starts to happen, right? Picard starts like, whoa, he starts kind of getting all, like he's having a seizure in there, and the Christmas lights in Data's head are going crazy. Data basically has access to the Borg signal, and he kind of is breaking down how all these subcommands work. Like, as he's figuring it out, though, like, oh, it's, so this command and that command, Picard, I, or, or Locutus, excuse me, is basically uh, activated, and he tries to break the link. He tries to stop Data from doing what he's doing. He knocks out the security guard. He's about to knock out those... Um, oh, I registered it in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, and then Data just grabs his arm, his Borg arm, and he just pulls it and holds on to him until he breaks the whole thing off pretty much, which is wild. He took off his attachments. He did. He did take off his attachments. How's um, he gonna clean his computer keys now? I don't know. I know. I couldn't think of something to use attachments for. Okay. So, How's he gonna blend his smoothie? How's he gonna blend his smoothie? <laughs> that would have been better. Oh, no. How's he going to make his lattes now? <laughs> he needs so, a frothy froth foam. He needs, it's, it's not, guys, it's not an assimilating arm. It's a milk frothing <laughs> arm. That's what it's for. It's a barista. That's what it is. <clears throat> so, um, Crush. Space bucks all over again. It is space bucks. Um, so Crusher says that there's all of a sudden all this brain activity happening and they're not really sure why. And then Troy says, that it's Picard, not not Locutus. Like he's beginning to sort of emerge from this, um, like almost you could say mental coma he's been in, and um, to the point that he reaches out and he takes a hold of Data's arm and just holds it. And they're just like, okay, um, we're not sure what's happening, but we've done something here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to the point that it's it's gotten the Borg's attention because the ship stops. And they're just like, whoa, yeah, don't mess with our drone, dudes. <laughs> like, we're going to figure this out. So basically, they kind of are figuring this all out. And they come to the conclusion that the collective consciousness of the Borg really could be their Achilles heel here. 
Crusher is like, okay, if we disconnect Picard, there's really no way to do that because it would be like asking us to disconnect a foot or an arm. Like, we can't do it because it's part of us. So if they implant a command into one Borg, then all the Borg have to do it because it's a collective consciousness. They just trying different commands, right? Turn off your weapons. Uh, shut off your engines. You know, <laughs> turn on the windshield wipers. Like anything, but nothing's working. <laughs> Nothing is working turn at all. He's like, gentlemen, start your <laughs> engines. Oh wait, that's wrong. Turn off your blinker. You're not turning. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Oh wait. Get off my lawn. And even that doesn't work because <laughs> they work. are literally still on Earth's lawn. Like they have not left. They are still orbiting Earth. Basically, the Enterprise here makes a final stand against the Borg. They're firing weapons, they're modulating the shields, but they are literally no match for the Borg. And the Borg basically start to they pull out their 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 beam and they're gonna they're gonna slice up the Enterprise. So Riker tells Wesley to set a collision course for the Borg ship. So he figures if we can't fire and stop them, we will literally just ram into them and explode them. And yeah, we'll die in the process, but at least we'll save Earth, right? In the lab, Picard suddenly speaks and he tells Data... He says, Bork, Bork, Bork. Bork, Bork. <laughs> Speak, Bork, Bork. Good boy, you get a treat. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I always like to say Bork instead of Bark. But, then, bork. but I guess I guess a, a Borg dog would just be Bork, Bork, Bork. <laughs> oh i'm sorry you all i'm getting a little i'm getting getting a little squirrely over here that's okay we're all getting squirrely (laughs) um he he tells data sleep and he just says sleep data and at first you know crusher's like he must be he must be exhausted and and data's like no i think this is something else i think this is a suggestion for a command I can implant. And Riker is really ready to say engage. Like he's like one syllable away from engage. And then Data basically is like, stand by. And he, Riker's like, uh, okay, but like, tell me quick what we're doing. <laughs> so finally Data does does what he does. And suddenly the Borg ship basically just shuts off. Like, they stop everything. They're like, okay. He gave the Borg NyQuil. <laughs> he gave the Borg NyQuil. He no, put them all something, to sleep. He gave them something with, like, codeine in it. Some, like, prescription cough syrup. Not just NyQuil. Like, he put them out. Even in my notes, I drew a little Borg sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm looking at it. It's a Borg... With Z's coming out, Z's sleeping. Is there any um, way that you can, we can like post a photo of that? Because I I'm, love it. I will take a picture and we'll post it. <laughs> um, so basically, what what Data has done is he has basically told the Borg it's time to regenerate, and so they've gone into sleep mode. Like they went into airplane mode, and they're just basically recharging. Uh, Riker tells Shelby take a team over there and just confirm. That they are all asleep. Uh, on the Borg ship, Shelby and Worf are like, these guys are all tucked in wearing their jammies. They are asleep. And so... 
I just love the idea of them wearing like those long night shirts and the little cap like the night before Christmas or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They're all having a giant slumber party. Oh my gosh, They're fuzzy doing slippers. Each hair. They're like bunny slippers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Look at the cold place. Um so she tells Riker that basically they're about, they're in a feedback loop. So they've recharged to the point that they're completely recharged, but they keep recharging. And so if they let this go, the ship will self-destruct because it's 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 on a feedback loop. So she's like, Do you want us to stop it? Should we let it go? And in the lab, Riker, you know, goes to see Picard. And he decides, and this is interesting because Data says it might be worth keeping this ship around. Like, if we could figure out how to keep them in sleep mode, we could keep the ship here and we could study it. And Riker's like, nope, let it blow up. (laughs) So here's my question. Do you think that was the right decision? Should Riker have let it happen like that? Or if you had it to do over, if you were in Riker's place, would you keep them in sleep mode and have... Starfleet be able to analyze and basically pick apart this cube and figure out weaknesses. See, I can see both sides. Is like, you know, it's like your initial gut reaction is the Borg are unstoppable. <laughs> we need to take them out right here, right now. Like this is one ship, and we can prove to the Borg that we can take them out. But then there is also the tactical advantage of then having one of their ships and their weapons and their technology to be able to really break it down and understand maybe how to defeat them on just a bigger level. But honestly, for the here and now, because this ship is so close to Earth, I feel like they had to take the the move that Riker did and just and they had to destroy it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Personally. What about you, Brooke? They're, yeah, they're, it's just too risky to leave them. I mean, I hate to be like, let's commit to genocide, but it's like, they're terrible because they've, like, ruined people's lives and killed lots of people and done all these terrible, not even experiments. They just, like, ripped them apart and did all this stuff and you just kept them in sleep mode. What what if they have some system thing that's like, we're going to stay in sleep for 30 days and then they wake up and there's lots of people in there and then they get assimilated or whatever and then they go after Earth again or something. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Give it <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think there's like a right or a wrong answer to that question. It's really just more of like, what did you personally think? But Riker's like, let it blow up. And so they they move away from the ship and the the cube uh, blows up. <laughs> Deuces. Deuces. And then and the cube goes explosion, boom, and that's it. <laughs> after the ship, after the board ship explodes, Picard is a little unsteady because that link has been severed now. Troy asks him, how does he feel? And he looks at his smoothie arm and he says, almost human, but just a bit of a headache. Riker asks Picard, how much do you remember? And Picard says, everything. He remembers everything from being part of the collective. So no doubt he's written, you know, a really extensive report about his experiences and what he experienced and what he saw and all that stuff. And certainly... If we jump ahead in time to the beginning, the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine, um, we know that what happened at Wolf 359 had incredibly long-lasting effects on a lot of people in the Federation. 
including uh, Commander Benjamin Sisko, who we meet in Deep Space Nine. His wife died at Wolf 359. And he right. he blames Picard, even though logically he knows Picard had no control. He still blames Picard. So I do think that's a cool way to kind of tie in Deep Space Nine to Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Forgot that detail. Um, so our final scene here is Picard and Riker in the ready room. Picard has like super band-aids on his head because their band-aid <laughs> technology is light years ahead of ours. <laughs> it, it, Riker tells him that they're going to need about five to six weeks of like repairs at McKinley Station. We do get kind of a funny moment where someone like buzzes the door and they both say come, which is pretty funny. <laughs> two captains. Oh no. <laughs> My two captains. Da 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 da. <laughs> it's a new show, kids. My two captains. <laughs> so uh Shelby comes in, she requests permission to disembark, and she basically has been I guess you could say promoted because she is now heading up the task force that will rebuild the fleet. She says they'll have their fleet up in a year. Exciting times for her. She's yeah. moved on doing important work, rebuilding the fleet. She's getting that commission that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Indeed she is. And then, you know, she kind of tells Riker, I bet you'll have your choice of any commission you want. And um, and this is really where we see Riker come full circle because he basically is very confident. And he says, you know, I appreciate Everybody who's so worried about my career, but guess what? It's none your business. None of your business. Exactly. And he's like, I'll worry about my career. Don't worry. Like, and everyone's like, cool beans, bro. You do you. And uh <laughs> and um so then Riker and Shelby leave and uh Picard pauses as he's drinking his tea and he goes and he just kind of stares out the window and we can only imagine what kind of stuff he's thinking about. Yeah. If he remembers everything from being part of the Bork, he remembers all the horrible things that he participated in. Of course, unwillingly, he was forced to do it. You know, we know that. Um, but certainly in the next episode, which we will be reviewing next week, um, and you guys will um, be hearing a good friend of ours, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers, will join us for that. We talk about... Exactly that, as Picard now needs to emotionally heal after physically healing, you know, from the attack, from from the Borg kidnapping him. So that is our, uh, that's our episode, Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Um, so here's a question, since this is a two-parter. Um, did you feel like Part 2 delivered a good payoff to the setup in Part 1? Janine, what would you say? Yes and no. Like, oh, like I watching it. Go on. Watching it again, I'm kind of like feels a bit like the rescue of Picard happened pretty quick. Like based on the buildup of turning him into a Borg and trying to rescue him, and just sort of like the mental um, play that went on with trying to outsmart him, being that he knows so much about Starfleet and all their plans. It was a bit like you know, data plugged into the port. They downloaded everything that he knew and then, you know, Picard was able to break free. Um, so it felt like a little quick. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is there was a lot of tension in this episode because it's like they were basically chasing the Borg and, you know, without that link that Picard allowed them to establish, um, 
they never would have been able to slow down the cube at all. So uh, there was a lot of tension. There was like basically this feeling of the Enterprise was never going to catch up with them and that Earth was basically doomed. Um, I felt like it happened a little quick, but I still enjoyed it. Fair enough. Brooke, how about you? Um, yeah, I I also think it kind of it kind of wrapped up a little quickly, but it was also pretty good because, you know, we've got this like during mission with Worf and Data, you know, the odd couple going <laughs> going to to get Picard and all that. It's like it does seem like, oh hey, look, we we got him, we figured it out, and look, now he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like the last like ten minutes, it's kind of like, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't necessarily have to see him bandaged up or whatever, or whatever. But we also got the whole him and uh, Riker both in, in the ready room and like, you know, being like, come, you know. So that was kind of funny. But I would d- certainly watch this episode over a lot of other episodes of other shows. <laughs> Just sure. even by itself, because it's better than some shows, just, you know, even without the first part. But uh, I think the first part is better than the second part. I think watching them together is great. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with like, that. I keep hearkening on this three-month thing, and it's like, now the way I watch TV shows, I would see the second part and be like, oh, but I think if I had had it then, I would have still been like, oh my gosh, you know, and it, you know, after all of that waiting Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in today's world of, of 2019, you have the option to watch part one and then immediately watch part two. And I think when you watch them together as a complete story, I think it's really good. I think, you know, back in the day in the 90s, when we had to wait the three months for the second part to come out, you know, we were so excited to see what was going to happen. We were so nervous. I think at the time you just you forgive a lot of the flaws, you know, and yeah. you say, even though, yeah, it does wrap up quickly in, in the 45 minutes, but at the same time, you're like so relieved that they get Picard. They're like, oh, thank God, you know, I'm not ready to stand. I don't want to say goodbye to Picard. Like, he's he's amazing. I think for me, I, I think it, it does pay off. I thought it was a really interesting point that the Borg only sent one ship. If the Borg, I, I felt like this in, in, in hindsight, it's the Borg testing us out because... If they really wanted to invade, they would have sent the entire armada. They would have sent every Borg ship they had, right. but and they we, didn't. And we don't really want. We don't really know at this time how many there are anyway. So it could just be one, but that right. would be silly for them to just have one, even though it was full of drones. You know, I mean, it would right. be ridiculous for them to just have one. But yeah, like you know, right. at this time we really have no idea because this one's the same dimensions as the last one they saw. So yeah, that means it's just one, an army of one. Yeah, but I I I think for sure, like, um, and and of course at this point it's true. In it at this point in the in the series and in the franchise, we don't know if there are more ships. We assume that there must be because. Right. What it's civilization has so one? Yeah, what like... civilization has one ship of people, and that's it. The thing is that they send this one ship, and I think in their mind they thought this was going to be the easiest conquer ever. So they send this one ship, they kidnap Picard, they make him their mouthpiece, and basically for them they think this is all smooth sailing. But they don't count on how, as most aliens in Star Trek find out, they don't count on how 
um, reckless humans can be mm-hmm. and how they we don't play by the rules when mm-hmm. when they're when the stakes are so high because Riker doesn't play by the rules here Riker does take big chances right he's he puts the entire saucer section in danger to rescue one person which is not a logical thing to do the person his the person. person oh sorry this person it's true <laughs> but um, <laughs> So, I, yeah, for me, I think it's a good payoff. I, I like it as a complete story. And I think if you're going to go this step further, watch uh, watch the next episode, Family, for a, a real complete story mm-hmm. to see how good. I'm and glad you listen to us talk about it. <laughs> exactly. I will do that, too. <laughs> so, so, before, <laughs> so before we say goodnight, uh, Janine, uh, we ask all of our guests. What are you hoping to see in the Picard series? Alternatively, are there things that you hope will not be in the Picard series? Um, I guess I'm really hoping, um, just based on the trailers that I've seen so far, is I really, I really enjoyed actually the the episodes of Star Trek where Picard was on Earth with his family and his brother and. Like, I would love to see more of, like, what Picard has been doing, you know, after Starfleet. Um, I definitely I definitely don't want too many Next Generation people to come back and for it to be, like, each, each episode is sort of, like, another mm-hmm. visitor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, another, another person from the past revisiting. It's like they come um, in the... They come in on, on screen, and then you hear a studio audience scream. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, woo! And they hug. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, that. like that from the trailer, the first trailer where he pulls open that drawer, and it's like, oh, is that before? Or could it possibly be Data, even though he was blown to spin the rings? Anyway, uh, and then it just starts talking to him. Hello, yeah. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I I really enjoyed when Picard was just shown as human, you know. I would love to see a lot of that and explore the humanity of Picard because I think that those were some of my favorite episodes. So I think I think that's what I'm most looking forward to is make it maybe a bit of a mystery uh, because, you know, there's that girl and you don't know what she's about and uh, like what's what exactly is going to bring him back into Starfleet. But also what has Picard been doing? You know, what's his humanity? I want to really see that explored. Cool. All right. Good answer. Yeah, I I think just from watching so much of this in a row, like to me, most of the episodes of Picard as episodes like there's some that focus on other people but it's just because patrick stewart is so good at this part i think Mm -hmm. like oh yeah even in the worst episodes he's almost always like spot on and just giving it all he's got it's just it's just quite the the thing to behold i think (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i i totally agree A, a lot of um well, I think the reason why Jean-Luc Picard is such a beloved character has a whole lot to do with how good Patrick Stewart is as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, without him, obviously, you don't have Picard, you don't have the series and all that. But um, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing Sir Patrick Stewart again doing his thing, <laughs> playing a character that we all love. Um, so Janine... Um, I found you incredibly interesting and delightful to talk to. 
um, where where can our <laughs> listeners interact with you on the I, interwebs if I'm they so, feel the same way? I'm so sorry uh-huh. because you guys are sisters. I just imagined you after you said that they were going to say for the first time in your life. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, Janine, for the first time in 38 years, I find you very interesting. <laughs> it would be terrible. She's not wrong. Um, <laughs> She's, um, she would be wrong. I'm not a regular on any podcast. I, I like, like Q, I just show up randomly here and there. Um, so just, you know, keep a lookout for yeah. me on podcasts. And you take but... people on adventures when you do it? Yes. <laughs> I snap my fingers and I change your reality. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so not sorry. super active on Twitter, so honestly, don't even bother. Um, but you can find me on Instagram as purple underscore thunder 0114, um, where I'm very funny and share a lot of dad jokes. <laughs> That's pretty much where you're going to find me 90%. All right. You're going to hear first, folks. Purple underscore thun- thunder zero one one four. Yep. <laughs> okay. I do follow you, but I don't know your Instagram name because right. I've just been following you for so long. I know. It used to be it's one changed. thing, but I changed it yeah. because I just had too many haters. <laughs> well, you oh, know, haters been a hate. <laughs> just brush off the haters, just like Beyonce said. Um. <laughs> so I think Beyonce said that. Anyways, uh, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us on this special two-parter. Um, tune in next week for the next episode um, and uh, I've been Rebecca and I've been Brooke and until we talk to you again continue boldly going where no one has gone before the podcast is hosted by Rebecca and Brooke you can find us at facebook.com slash picardcast, on twitter.com at thepicardcast, or email us at picardcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.